Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Porcelain Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all the lovely stuff in between. I am one of your co-hosts, Anthony Perez. And I am John Brasher, and welcome to the Valentine's Day special. Woo-woo! Yeah. (laughs) Don't put this on the background while you're trying to get lucky. It's probably not a smart play. I mean... You'll lose your girl to us. It's just how it's going to work. <laughs> or boy. Whatever, yeah, man. Whatever we're not... Uh... <laughs> we don't judge. Yeah. We don't, uh, we don't uh, push people away for their beliefs. Anyway. <laughs> As John mentioned, we are going to be doing a Valentine-themed episode since it's the 11th and Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Yeah. So what that means is that we are going to compare and contrast, similar to how we did Black Christmas and Black Xmas, but this time around, we're going to be talking about My Bloody Valentine from 81 and My Bloody Valentine from 2009. Yes. So from here on out for the entire podcast, one of the, the first one will be My Bloody Valentine. The other one will be 3D. So it's going to be the easiest comparison points uh, just because... They're literally the same title. Yes. And that's going to definitely cause some confusion. (laughs) Yes. So if we're speaking about the new one, it'll be 3D. All right. But before that, we have just a little bit of news this time around. A little uh, dip of the toe. (laughs) So let's get into that. So, a while back, a still came out of the new doll from Child's Play. And that was the doll from the remake, which is called Child's Play, and that's going to be the one with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. And then, shortly after, a trailer was released. And so, I thought, because they were so close together, that that was the trailer for that remake. Yeah. But that was a trailer for a movie called Charles, which I, again, mistakenly thought was the same thing. <laughs> So the confusion just could be on my end. Anyway, Charles is a fan film, so it's not technically like a studio release. Yeah, so we'll see how that turns out. I mean, I dig fan films. I think that it, it tends to branch out further uh, from the brand than normally a studio would opt into doing. So I'm interested to see how that turns out. And then as far as the remake is concerned... It's going to be a hit or miss thing, just like with every other horror remake. Some of them have been really bad. Some of them have been serviceable. I don't know if I'd say if any of them have been really good. But I do think that Aubrey Plaza carries a lot of weight for me. I think she's a uh, nice actress. I think that her her turn on uh, Parks and Rec is one of my favorite comedy performances in a series. Uh, so we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, and a bit younger then I guess the original Andy's mom. If yeah. That's the same character that she's playing. And I'm sure that that character has a name besides Andy's mom. <laughs> but that's what I think I've exclusively referred to as. So why change it, you know? Yeah. And then along those lines, so Don Mancini, the original creator who has been with the franchise for every single movie, is still planning on continuing the original storyline in TV form with Brad Dorf, the original voice. And also more movies. Yeah, so like I said, it's another thing. It's just like the situation, the turmoil that's going on in the Friday the 13th camp. There's going to be some mix-ups. There's going to be some weird stuff to figure out as we move along into this process. 
So uh, if you see something that you think looks cool, vote with your dollars. It's the easiest way to make sure that you continue seeing the stuff you want to see. Yeah, pretty much. And far as fan film goes, I don't know how that works with paying for dollars or however yeah. that works. But the trailer looked really cool mm-hmm. and super creepy. If that's any indication of how the rest of the movie is going to be, I would really want to check that out. So if we can get a hold of that, then we should definitely talk more about that. So that's going to be the end of the news, which means we are going to get into that trivia. Trivia. Thirty Days of Night from two thousand seven was based on the graphic novel of the same name by what author? Can you hit me with the with the entire question again? <laughs> okay. Thirty Days of Night okay. from two thousand seven was based on the graphic novel of the same name by what author? Is it Scott Snyder? Oh, I dude, I really thought that you were getting this right. It's Stephen Niles, uh, but okay. you started with an S, and I was like, this guy. <laughs> All right, so for you, in Alien from 1979, what is the designation of the planetoid upon which the Nostromo finds the derelict spacecraft? Oh, man. LV-165. It's LV-426. Ah, man. Huh? Like, I got LV right. I got, yeah. I got two of the five. <laughs> All right, cool. So the next category, gore and disturbing. Who directed The Wizard of Gore from 1970? Yeah, that I've never heard of The Wizard of Gore. I have not either, and I've never heard of this director. So that's probably going to be a wash. So I'm going to say Blalfred Blitchcock. That is Herschel Gordon Lewis. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. What was the tagline? For The Fly, 1986, and was also spoken in the film by Veronica as a warning to the girl Seth brings back from the bar. This came up during last week's episode. Mm. Man, I am drawing a total blank. It's alive. It's not it's alive. (laughs) I'm going to kick myself. It's alive. Um, It is be afraid. Dude, I was going to say that. Be very afraid. Oh my god, and I thought that was going to be even more cliche than it's alive. Damn it. Alright, cool. So, moving on, quickly. Psychological category. Who directed Martin from 1978? Martin? Martin. Not to be confused with the sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Martin Lawrence. <sighs> this is a difficult card so far. Was it Toby? I don't think it was Toby. It was not Toby. It was George A. Romero. Oh, brutality. Yeah, he took a stab in the dark at a classic horror director. And And just missed. (laughs) Slightly. All right, let me have it. All right. Uh, When Psycho 1960 was released, who demanded theaters have a no late admission policy for the film? Alfred Hitchcock. No shit. (laughs) That was a gimme. Hey, that's no, it, no, it was Blaufred Blitchcock. Uh, Blaufred Blitchcock. <laughs> Speaking of gimmies, what Harry Potter franchise alum portrayed Arthur Kipps in The Woman in Black? And this is for the paranormal category. <laughs> I'm going to say Rupert Grint? No, it's Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, Daniel Radcliffe. Did you ever see that? Yes, I did. I watched it recently. Did we talk about that? I think we did. Maybe. Hmm, I don't know. It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Give me that question. The Exorcist, ha, 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 was based on a novel of the same name by what author? It's going to be a hard pull when you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> well, I got to bring up old stuff. <laughs> Still shocking. Yeah. Listen, I don't know. Pierre Lestroud. <laughs> was that a, an answer for a question from like three weeks ago? It might have been what I gave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, William Blatty. Hmm. Or Blady. I, it looks like Blady, but Never heard of him. All right. We are doing terrible today. I think we're at a one-to-one tie, if I'm not mistaken. All right. This is going to be the killer category. That was a good one. Who directed Hush from 2016? Hush? Yes. The one where the girl's... Uh, Hushing? Deaf. You didn't see that one? Mm-mm. It's a slasher. And the girl's deaf, and so the killer comes. It's rad, because she can't hear if she's making noise. And so she doesn't know she's being actually quiet. I, I'm a, like vaguely aware of the premise. I yeah. just don't remember anything else about it. Is it James Wan? It is not. It is Mike Flanagan. Mm, mm. Did Oculus and yeah. uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. <laughs> so you know him. You yeah. don't know you know him. Exactly. All right. In the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. All right. The great one. Uh, how is the hitchhiker related to Leatherface? It's his brother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Trying to think age-wise. Yeah. Killing it. <laughs> All right. Last one. International. This is a pretty good one. By the end of Raw from 2016, what does... Her insatiable appetite for meat make protagonist Justine. A cannibal? A cannibal. Yes. That basically gave you the answer to the question. Yeah, for sure. But I was whatever. Yeah, I was like I was expecting something a little more like on the nose or like into the actual plot, but yeah. Cannibal, yeah. Yeah. Alright, uh this one's a dead giveaway. So is that. That was a little hint that you didn't need. In Train to Basan. From 2016, what fictional beings plague the protagonists? Zombies. Yes, it is zombies. So you won three to two. Nice job. All right. Well, that was not great on either of our ends, but you, that's going to be I the mean, end you of got a, uh, you, you got a 50. Three, I got three out of five? Yeah. Oh, all right. I'll take it. I'll take it. 60%. I mean, well, it's, it's six questions on the card. Is you it? got three, so you got 50%. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking it was five. <laughs> Listen, that's going to be the end of the trivia. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start talking about My Bloody Valentines. The Valentinos. The Valentinos. All right, so a little bit of background. The original one came out in 81. There wasn't a budget listed on Box Office Mojo, so I didn't get that. But I did read somewhere, that, and it vaguely said a couple million. Well, and it doesn't seem like it was super low budget in any way. Like Not uh, for the time, no. Yeah. They grossed five million, closer to six, I should say, and that was pretty much it as far as that goes. They didn't talk about doing a sequel until about two thousand six, mm-hmm. and around that time they were gonna just remake it. So they actually bought the sequel, and it was by the original writer and director, mm-hmm. and ended up shelving it. 
because they wanted to remake it. Yeah. And uh, apparently the sequel was going to be called Return of the Minor. Hmm. That would have been really, really dumb. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, I have a problem, a big problem with sequels that assume that you know things about the series. So something like moving from Child's Play to Chucky titled things, Chucky and Child's Play are synonymous. Child's Play is almost the worst title because when you go in to see like Bride of Chucky, you know you're going in to see a Chucky movie. You're getting Chucky the doll. That's what it is. But the miner's not a like an iconic character really. And the, the, it has a cult following, yeah. But it's not somebody that's big enough to where your random person is going to be like, "Why is the minor returning? Like, is this some kind of drama?" Like, they're not going to understand until they see a trailer what that even means. So the fact that they went with the remake rather than going that route is probably smarter. Yeah, and I guess George. I'm going to butcher this last name. Mihalka. It's M I H A L K. Mihalka. I mean, I'll I'll give that to you. Anyway, George Mahaka, he came out and said that his script was better than what the remake was. <laughs> I mean, who's to say, right? Yeah, if they don't make the movie, then there's no real way of telling. Yeah, and apparently he wanted to do, and obviously this conversation that we're going to have is going to contain spoilers. So this is your warning now. <laughs> like, if you want to, if you want to see these movies and you haven't already, get out now. I am going to say that might not be worth it. <laughs> These movies definitely, uh, the first the first big comparison point that I have between the two of them is that they are both definitely signs of their time. One is just 80s horror tropes. The other one is just mid-2000s horror tropes. I mean, all the way down to the ridiculous 3D element to it. They feel super derivative of other things that were better than doesn't mean that there weren't enjoyable moments from either of these movies. They're both, I would say, okay. They're, I wasn't like 100% bored watching them, but there were definitely things where I kind of turned my face and just went like, I, I see what they tried to do, but every other movie from that era did it better. You know, that sort of a thing. That's definitely true on all accounts. I have a very similar opinion to both of them. <laughs> anyway, so apparently the sequel to the original was going to be... The two people, and we'll get more into it later, the two people that survived from the first one. Mm -hmm. One of them was a sheriff, and the other one became a drunk. And they had kids, and so their kids were going to be, at this point, the mine was going to be turned into almost like a theme attraction, where there was like a terror ride that took you into the mine, and the miner comes back to wreak havoc on. on so I don't like the title, but I kind of like the premise a little bit. Yeah, like that. Like there's a little part of me that's like, ah, I, I, I'd be cool to see that. But surprisingly, to me anyway, is that the the remake didn't get a sequel. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. I want to talk real quick about the Rotten Tomato score from the original, and then mm -hmm. I want to give a little bit of background about 3D, as we're calling it. So the critic score of the original is a 47, and that's not always indicative of how good of a movie that is, because sometimes those aggregate scores kind of suck. Especially for horror. Horror gets lambasted on a regular basis by by the aggregate scores. But there are some that are ubiquitous. You know, if you look at something like The Exorcist, you know, it's going to it's going to have good critical scores. It's also going to have good fan scores just because it is something that stacks up on both ends. But if someone's not a fan of horror, there's a good chance they're not going to like something like Friday the 13th. Right. 
Yeah, and that's fair. And that movie doesn't hold up very well either. I mean, it does for me. Like, I, like <laughs> as a horror fan, I love it. I eat that shit up. Yeah. But that, like, you're also in the same boat. Like, that's... Yeah, you, I mean, we you, had a party last year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, last I want to say about the background of this one is that it had a 51% on Rotten from audiences. Mm. So you can see a little bit of difference there. Not a huge jump, and sometimes those gaps are massive. Yes. But these ones are pretty close. Mm. It's like four-point deficit, so... All right, and then a little bit of background about 3D. Um, 2009, this budget was $15 million, but this actually grossed worldwide close to $101 million. So, so usually, it was a critical success. Yeah, usually, well, financial. Yeah, with, I, mean, I didn't mean critical. <laughs> yeah, financial success. And usually with stuff like that, with such a big return, mm-hmm. you get a sequel. And so I'm almost blown away that this didn't automatically get one. So... A lot of times, even with uh, like the information you can pull from somewhere like Box Office Mojo, it gives you the cost of filming the movie. And in a lot of times, it costs almost double the cost of right. filming the movie to advertise the movie. So there's a, and I remember when when 3D came out that it was everywhere. Like it was in every single theater. Uh, it was trailer before a bunch of different movies, especially if it had that little three three D element going along with it. Uh, I want to say that they had that trailer playing like on TV spots and all kinds of stuff because it was kind of in a horror renaissance territory. I mean, uh, we're just a few years outside of you know the Scream movies, uh, and then there's you know there's a bunch of different remakes that are being done. I think that's where this is coming in. Like yeah, eighties obviously the original piggybacked. On the holiday themed yeah. slashers, and this one very much piggybacked on the remake craze yeah. that took place during the 2000s. Yeah, so you know, if, like you were saying, usually double the budget is how much they actually spent. But even so, that would be 30 million roughly. Yeah, and so that's still three times the amount. So I mean, I didn't realize that at the time, and I did see it in theaters in 3D because mm-hmm. I mean that's probably one of the better parts of this movie, which I think we missed out watching it. We, uh, yeah, we anytime we saw like the 3D element show up, it was just like, <sighs> it's hokey. It's, yeah, it's another it's another 3D thing, and on top of that, because of the era it was made in, it all looks real bad. All the textures are terrible. Oh yeah. And then that one was directed by Patrick Lucier. I probably butchered that one too. And as far as the rotten score goes on that, 60% from critics, so higher rated than the original. But then audiences, and this is where we're going to see more of a deficit, was 44. Hmm. So not huge between audience and audience from both, but definitely a bigger difference between the critics and the audiences from 3D. Yeah. So that's interesting. 16 points is quite a bit. Yeah. That's it. That's all I want to talk about background. I thought knowing that kind of stuff going in, at least for me, when I watch movies, I always look that stuff up. Yeah, for sure. It was kind of an interesting little study because they, the the main like three characters are in both films. They're different. They're completely different. There's there's yeah rarely similarities in both films in the sense that they have the same names. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they also share kind of like a love triangle kind of oh, that's true. motif yeah. as well. And I think that they wanted audiences to be surprised because it's a remake. Mm-hmm. And so they changed the killer. Well, I mean, and they also changed a lot about the story as well. But you can see 
the the wheels. You can see it where they took that script and then they kind of chopped it up and they used little parts of it because one of them ends up being a sheriff in 3D. And, you know, there's just little things that kind of make it seem like it could have potentially been parts of that that other script. The sequel script? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And parts of it almost feel like a sequel. Mm -hmm. And if they hadn't revealed the killer in the first one, then this could have easily been a sequel. Yeah. You know what I mean? But so basically, small mining town and there's a methane leak in these mines and two dudes caused it because they wanted to go to this cool Valentine's party because the town that the original takes place is Valentine's Bluff. Yeah. And I thought that was cool because it kind of adds a double meaning to the title, My Bloody Valentine, but then also the town's Valentine. So yeah. the town becomes bloody. Mm. Anyway, mine blows up. There's dudes get trapped in there. One guy survives named Henry? Harry? Henry? Is it Harold? Warden? Henry Warden? Henry Harry? Warden, I think, yeah. Warden, Mr. Warden, Mr. H. Warden. (laughs) And he survives by eating the other guys, so he gets a little bit crazy. And he becomes a Wendigo. Yes. (laughs) I I think that would have been a welcome change for me if he'd become a Wendigo. Uh, But what ends up happening is that he goes crazy. They take him to a mental institution, and they think that they have him locked up. But I guess he comes back. And it ends up going on like a killing spree, basically going around from place to place within the town, killing somebody, cutting out their heart and putting it inside of a box, uh, a box heart for chocolates. And then so he goes on doing that for a short period of time and then they capture him and send him back to the mental facility more on like a prisoner role, less than a, you know, like a, hey, you had to survive this crazy thing kind of role. And, and that also happened on Valentine's Day. It also happened on Valentine's right. Day. Right. So then the town stops all Valentine-related events for 20 years. Yeah. And no then love. No loving. They decide to do it again. And then my good old pal, Mr. Warden, shows back up to murderize people. Yeah. The <laughs> miner. The miner. Yeah. So then it escalates from there. So you don't know if it is Warden or if it is somebody else, and everyone's just kind of partying. They got these kids, and they seem like kids. They're really goofy, and I don't, I don't even know how to describe them. Just kind of... Just silly. Yeah, and indicative of the times. You know, it reminded me of, like, the kids in high school in Greece. Like, yeah, yeah, real yeah, goofy. for sure. Yeah, I could definitely see that that comparison. And so they're partying, not listening to what they're being told, and the killer comes back, and... I think it's the mayor gets delivered, delivered a heart in a box yes. and then freaks out. And then people start getting killed left and right. Uh, but the town, because the mayor and the sheriff know what's going on, they close everything down. The kids don't believe it. So they decide to go to the mine and have a party. Now these kids, we say kids, they, yeah. they, they've got to be like at least in their twenties just because they, work in the mine like that's they're drinking yeah they're i don't drink- know it's canadian movie so i don't yeah. know what the uh, canadian there. Uh, canadian drinking age is 19 oh okay. so well, it could be yeah so i mean it would typically make sense but it like i said they they seem like they're like like freshmen in high school like they're <laughs> yeah. very very immature goofing around yeah at one point they're 
cooking food on a car engine. <laughs> and uh, snorting beverages up their nose <laughs> through a straw. Just goofballs. Yeah. And I feel like if this, if they would have done a straight remake and not taken a more serious tone like 3D does, mm-hmm. that this movie could have very easily been more along the lines of Zombieland, where yeah. it's comedy with horror. You know? Because it's they're so goofy and it's pretty funny. Yeah. It just it in a movie that in some places wants you to take it seriously, it can break the immersion. Yeah. And I think that's that's indicative of quite a few of like the lesser revered horror movies of the eighties. Like that's just how a lot of them are. Like the really good ones have a good balance. The ones that don't, you remember for the schlocky moments and not for the horror moments. And yeah. this movie is somewhat similar. Like you were saying earlier, this definitely hits a lot of the tropes. So from what I was reading in my research, they were looking for the another holiday. They literally yeah. were just like, hey, what's the next holiday we could do? Oh, Valentine's Day. And I guess the working title for the movie was The Secret because they didn't want it to get out. Mm, yeah. What holiday they were going after, even though they already knew. Apparently, they kept the identity of the killer a secret from even the cast. The only way that the killer figured out that he was the killer is because he had to get his arm cut off. Yeah. And he's like, oh, the killer gets his arm cut off. So he just, you know, put two and two together. <laughs> and uh, it definitely hits those tropes. So you even have the guy that's like, you don't want to you don't want to mess around with Valentine's Day. Yeah, don't, the bartender. Don't go down that road. <laughs> yeah. And then and then uh, he decides that he's going to play play a practical joke on them to scare them away from ever doing anything about Valentine's Day again. That was the best kill for me. Yeah. Because it goes through his face and his eyeball pops out. Yeah, well, and, like, that part, it was another one of those moments where, like, you're, like, screaming at the screen, like, come on, you know what's about to happen. He opens the door three times, see the alarm pop out, ha, 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 you know, he's, like, going, like, literally crazy about it. And then he turns away to walk away. And then decides to turn around and go back and open the door one last time to get that one last chuckle. He had to have that one last chuckle, and he gets fucked for it. <laughs> and like you're like, ah, you dumbass! Like you could have just you could have just kept walking. The movie has I don't know if you got it, but a little bit of like homoerotic tones, like oh, like the shower scene five minutes into the movie. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and the opening was super weird too. It's. I didn't really understand where that was supposed to take place because you got this guy in a miner's outfit and mm-hmm. then this woman in, in a miner's outfit and then she starts undressing and this guy never undresses. So I wasn't sure if she knew who she was down there fooling around with or what. Yeah. And then she's got a little heart tattoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very, it almost seems like you're watching the beginning of like something soft core because yeah. it has like sensual music and it's, He's like rubbing her on. I don't know. It's weird. This movie has an identity crisis. That's for (laughs) sure. So after they finish like the second, the very male on male uh, shower scene, they all start running away and they're like pulling off each other's pants and stuff as they're all trying to get to the car so that they can figure out who's paying for the drinks at the bar. Uh, They played like a bluegrassy kind of like riff. On a banjo, it was like <laughs> it was like, like bloopers or something. Yes, it, it sounded just like that. They, and they did it, it almost m- seemed like they sped up the film to run into the car. Yeah, like, it, they did it more than once. And I'm like, this is supposed to be a horror movie. <laughs> like you're com- like by proxy. Like this is the biggest problem I have with either of these movies in general is that by proxy, by making a holiday based 
movie, you are comparing this to something like Halloween or Black Christmas, which are both, in my opinion, better movies. Right. And not only that, but – and I don't know how intentional this was, but there was, I'm guessing, a nod to Friday the 13th because they made Valentine's Day Saturday. Yeah, and yeah. It's But yeah, it falls right after Friday the 13th. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. And I was like, I don't know if that's trying to be like a – little tongue-in-cheek? Yeah. I don't know if they were trying to like, oh, we're better. Yeah. Like, oh, you think you could get past Friday the 13th? Well, we're – Saturday the 14th. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it was a dig or an homage because Friday the 13th did come out the year before yeah. from the same studio, so who's to say? But I, I was like, that's cool. And I don't know if people probably got that at the time. Mm-hmm. I would wonder, I would be interested to see what the advertising campaign was like. But I was like, that's rad. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was cool. Yeah, so that's basically as far as the plot goes for the original one and then the remake 3D. Very similar, but they almost sort of course corrected where this one didn't have – where the original had the comedic element to it. This mm-hmm. one basically had zero. Oh, yeah. It's I a, don't think there was even an intentional laugh. No. Maybe, well, well, maybe with the the hotel scene. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. The – But the, one. Like one yeah. for sure. Well, and maybe – like so that whole entire scene up until the first person bites it. Yeah. There's a lot of funny stuff. There's like, there's the people having sex and she's like looking in the mirror above the bed saying like, oh, I look so hot or whatever. Yeah. Like that's, that's gratuitous, but I'm sure somebody thought that was funny. We were both kind of like taken aback. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously um, the dog and basically Jensen Ackles character trading his hotel room to the proprietor who is also a little person for a room free of charge. That's a little weird for me. Yeah, I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke yeah. or what. But So this one is basically, there was an accident in the mine. Could have been the main character's fault, Tom, right? Mm-hmm. Could have been his fault. But again, with the methane leak, people were stuck down there. And in this case, uh, Warden goes into a coma after they pull him out. And then, I think it was the next year, yes. he comes out of his coma on Valentine's Day. And kills people that are partying in the mines, including Jensen Ackles, who is the main character, who's Tom, his girlfriend, Sarah, and his friend, Axel, and his girlfriend. I don't even know if she has tries to kill them, yeah. But kills all of their friends. Kills everybody around. They get out. And Jensen Ackles' character, Tom, barely survives. The cop comes, which is really cool for me. It's Tom Atkins, and we're huge uh, season of the Witch fans, so that was cool to see him in, yeah, like in this. Little, a little nod. To yeah, him. so this franchise nods at basically everything. Yeah. <laughs> so now here's the gap, which is similar to the to the original. Ten years later, uh, Tom comes back to sell the mine, and then weird stuff starts happening. Yeah, right around Valentine's and Day, everybody's hating on him. Nobody nobody likes that he's selling the mine because it is like a an, an integral part of how their town operates. And so selling it to another company and bringing in basically scabs, that's going to that's gonna upset the way that the town runs as a whole. And so he comes in with the intent to sell and just stuff starts hitting the fan. Um, you find out that Axel is now married to Sarah. And after that point, you also find out that he's a sheriff and that he's also 
having sex with um, basically Sarah's assistant, Megan, who works with her at her grocery store. Not only that, but that Megan is pregnant with Axel's child. Right, and that leads to some, I guess, confusion later on about who the killer is, even though it's pretty obvious. Yeah. The writing's literally on the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And I feel like that's kind of where they messed up. So they wanted to make it different than the remake. They didn't want to have the same ending. So they switched the killer because in the original, we have this triangle of TJ, TJ well, or Tom, Tom yeah. Sarah, and, and Axel. Axel. And in the original, again, spoilers happening, of the three, Axel's the killer. Yes. Right. So then remake, we have them again. But this time, they lead you heavily to believe that Axel is the killer. Yes. To the point where it's too obvious. Yeah. You know? And then at the end, it's not. And it's like, well, yeah, I saw that coming. And it ends up being Tom. And they go about that in sort of a weird... Almost fight club kind of way yeah, where like that like he doesn't know he's the killer. Yeah, like Warden is like like another part of him. Like, yeah, like we made a joke. So we started watching it uh, about three hours ago. <laughs> we started watching the movie, and it starts to play, and then we see Jensen Ackles, and we're like, like, ooh, the mine is haunted by a ghost who's also a demon who's possessing one of them, <laughs> and. Uh, we, so we were making basically supernatural jokes about <laughs> Jensen Ackles, and it turned out that that was pretty much the truth, that, like, the embodiment of, of Warden was in Jensen Ackles' yeah. character. So it was, like, it's just, it it was too too funny, like, too funny of a prediction right off the bat just because Jensen Ackles gets typecasted into stuff. Right. And they both, both stars of Supernatural came out with a remake that year because that's the same year that uh, Jared Padalecki did. The Friday the 13th remake. Yeah. They were very close together on release. <laughs> so that was cool because at the time I was super into that show. And yeah. I was like, yeah, they're going to be stars. And those are the only movies that they've done. <laughs> <laughs> so I, Supernatural is still pretty dope though. Yeah, I'm surprised it's still on, but that's a different conversation. So some of the similarities, obviously, we talked about Warden, Axel, Sarah. There was an homage to the Pickaxe Kill. Mm-hmm. Pickaxe Kill. So that was really cool because, like I said, that was my favorite one from the original. And then Busting Lights. And when I told you when we were watching it, I thought that was super scary. So it's not done super well in the original one, but in the remake, he's like walking and not even looking and taking the pickaxe and just smashing the lights. And then it gets dark and I was like, that's that's scary. If you were so, in a mine, that's terrifying to have yeah. the lights go out because that's so, all you got. Yeah. Did you notice, though, that every time he smashed the lights, it would flash a quick like ghosty image of yeah. the miner over him. And I feel like the first couple of times it was subtle enough where you could have missed it. Yeah. And then the next few times it was like almost paused and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we get it. Stop yeah. beating us over the head with yeah, that. Yeah. It would have been cool He's if both. it was subtle, but yeah. when you let it go on too long and you're just doing it to show off now. And I think that the second one or the remake rather also had a reference to Friday the 13th. And this could be a stretch, but at the beginning when the murders start happening, a kid walks into the mine. He's like, Jason, Hey, Jason. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't know. But could, I feel like it could be. It really could be. <clears throat> so it's, that was cool. Yeah, it's tough to say. Uh, it also had one of the more ridiculous kills. It also reused it as well, just in a different format, a laundry format. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that was cool. That was a throwback to itself. Yeah, it was the weirdest kill in both of them. Because, like, I don't know if a dryer would actually just fry a person like that <laughs> or even function with a person in it. But... 
it it looked cool. And surprisingly, they show more of that kill in the original, original than they do. They basically just hint at it. Yeah, everything everything else the with the remake with 3D, all the gore is turned up to eleven. Like except that part. Yeah, except for that yeah. one part. And, well, and then there's a kill where they do the typical cutaway and blood, yeah. blood splatter. <laughs> That's classic. Yeah. And they do like the elongated zoom shots. I'm sure there's a name for that, and it's I'm not getting it, but that was really cool too. Yeah, Dutch angles don't do them <laughs> Inle- unless your name is Sam Raimi or you're really trying to give some exposition to something. Dutch angles aren't important. Leave them out. You don't need to do them. It's in the remake. They're overdone. Yeah, they're At they're definitely point. way overplayed. Like I said, uh, if you're Sam Raimi, you can get away with it because it's basically your stylistic choice to basically shoot the whole fucking movie <laughs> in Dutch angles. But it's disorienting to watch. Like, that's part of the point. A Dutch angle is supposed to be, like, that you're exposing that something is not the way that it's supposed to be. Or something is not all that it seems. It's supposed to feel disorienting to the audience. And when you use it in weird places that don't check out, it's just annoying. And they, yeah, they were using it for dialogue scenes. Yes. Yeah. And not scary ones where there was any, supposed yeah, like, to be any like build-up. a random scene in yeah. the police station. And it's just, like, all of a sudden, it just all kind of tilts. I would say, if we're going to start comparing the two now... I think that the original was a lot more fun, basically in almost every way, yeah. than 3D. But I will say that as far as like horror goes, that 3D tried at least to be more straightforward of a horror movie, yeah. of a slasher. And like you were saying, it shows the time that it came out because of the 3D, and you get pickaxes thrown at you and tree branches. No reason going through windows that yeah. don't go in, you know, for unnecessary reasons. And then you get the reverse shot of being inside a mirror and stuff getting smashed on into the mirror. Yeah. So I now like watching it, I was laughing because that's funny to see in 2D and it doesn't really work. Yeah. But I remember watching that in theaters and being thinking to myself, this is it's pretty cool. It's it's cheesy. Yeah. And slasher movies used to be kind of like that for yeah. a while, especially in the 80s. And so to me, it was a throwback to that and just, you know, taking advantage of the technology. And even like Piranha was like that. Yeah. Kind of, well, I mean, it, I mean, it's another thing that's kind of, you know, calling back to a previous era right. of how horror operated. Like I said, I, the really ridiculous, serious overtones of that movie were off-putting for me just because – you know, working with the source material it had, it was more, you know, more of a blending of, of genres than it was anything else. But I can also see why why the original was rated so lowly. Like it's not it's nothing special. It's not like when we re, when we revisited Black Christmas. Black Christmas is a classic. It came out before Halloween. It set the stage for modern slashers as the way that they are. And it had interesting concepts. Whereas this one was just what's it's piggybacking. Yeah, it's just piggybacking, and it's like it's like what is the relevance to a mine to Valentine's Day? Like you named the town Valentine, and now that's your. I want you to be mine. Yeah, and now, and now <laughs> it's that loose connection. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I'm not even sure the town was called Valentine's Bluff in 3D. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not even really discussed. The concept as a whole, like I said, it's it's incredibly derivative. And 
while that's not always the worst thing, I mean, Friday the 13th is, is as derivative as it gets, but it does that well. It makes something that can go on for 13, 14, 15 sequels and still be iconic. I still see people wearing Jason shirts, uh, hockey mask uh, tattoos, right. you know, like it's, it still holds up all this, all this time away. You know, people don't talk about my bloody Valentine. Like it was, it was, we were discussing what we were going to do for this week's episode. And it didn't, it something that didn't dawn us, dawn on us until we had discussed it for a little while. Like, Oh, we can do a holiday episode and, and there's this movie and it has a remake. And it's a perfect uh, discussion topic. But it's not like it's something that's like in like the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, maybe not to us. I know that there it does have a cult following. It does. It came up in a lot of my research. People, are like, I love this movie, and I guess Tarantino went on record and said it's his favorite slasher movie. So this is my that's my problem is that Quentin Tarantino is notorious for making great movies and loving shitty ones. <laughs> like, like if you look at like the, all the movies that he talks about as like you know praises that he loves, like are. Nine times out of ten are garbage. <laughs> this movie is not garbage. I see the value. There is some value there. The original, there were some great acting performances. The the actress that played Sarah, she actually had a legitimate moment where they're standing out in front of the lake and she cried. Like, that's impressive to me. Like, it, it looked and felt real in that way. But that was one of my biggest problems with the movie was that love triangle. Because between Axel and, and TJ, yeah. where... TJ used to be with Sarah, but then he left for a while and now she's with Axel and they're like fighting over her as a piece of property. And I'm not huge, you know, feminist bandwagon or whatever, but I was like, geez guys, tone it down. Yeah. She's mine. No, she's mine. Not ah, she's going to be with me. No, she wants me. And it's like, well, and then finally at the end, Sarah was like, can I speak for myself? Yeah. And it's like, thank you. Yeah. Like, well, like it's, like, it's not one of those things where it holds up very well in 2019. Yeah. I mean, the remake doesn't either. The remake they they they're fighting in a police station over her. like it's like they carried that one segment over and it's like oh that's that's something that'll definitely hold up you know uh, there isn't a you know an impending movement where you know where women are are basically trying to get their proper place in the sun and where they're trying to expose people for being chauvinist assholes it just doesn't hold up well yeah yeah it's a bad look a lot of movies are guilty of it I mean hell. Uh, we love Twilight Zone, and there was that that weird joke from one of the episodes I watched uh, the other day for, <laughs> that, the, for the show. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like that that doesn't hold up very well. <laughs> like, I mean, I understand that it's at least it's a little older, but like the eighties were close enough. But at least that, at least the original had those elements enough to give development to the characters, mm-hmm. especially. Between TJ and Sarah, mostly. That's where you're getting most of the development. And I don't feel like you get much, if any, really, character development in 3D. No. Jensen goes there with the sole intention of selling this mine, and he's dead set on it, no matter what anyone says. He talks to Sarah one time, and he's like, well, maybe I won't sell. Yeah. Okay. Well, why not now? You know what I mean? And then that's when they start fighting over Sarah. Yeah. It's like, well, you mean the woman that I have sex with? That's an actual yeah, line from a, yeah, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's at the end of a long diatribe, too, just like rattling off the different things he gets to do with this woman. Yeah. It's like... Put it away. Yeah. Just pack it away. The machismo is not appreciated. Yeah. The one thing that I will say, the thing that I'm going to herald from the mountaintops uh, about the original is that they took... Took a thick boy 
and they made him <laughs> they made him pretty pretty badass. Yeah, I mean, he stops the fight between uh, between TJ and Axel. He's dating a pretty redhead. Uh, he's got a sweet mustache. <laughs> I'm like I'm like all right, you know, repping one for the for the big boys like me. I I definitely appreciate you know that representation even in the 80s. Uh, and they just didn't have that in in the remake, man. If they, I, if, I don't think you see that a lot in anything, really. Yeah, I mean, like if you'd given me that thick boy, I probably would have been like, yeah, remake. You're good, my boy. <laughs> I think that the character development is worse in the remake. Definitely. I do feel like it has a more cohesive storyline as far as like that it is one genre and right. that it's not trying to be eighty things. And then at the same time, there was this little subplot, I guess you can call it, where the parents supposedly killed Harry and it was covered up. Yeah. And that's cool, but it's very thrown in mm-hmm. and it's not really developed and you don't really get any story behind that. And I feel like it almost ties into a sort of Nightmare on Elm Street thing where the, par- the parents wouldn't kill the bad guy. Yeah. And they just throw it in. I don't know if yeah. that was for homage or just laziness or what. And I was like, hmm. I feel like you could have cut that out. Yeah. It didn't really do anything. But yeah, again, it it is cohesive. And it does feel like one movie. It just isn't done well. I'm kind of a little baffled that it got a 60. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it means a lot of people liked it. I mean, it, like I said, it was from an era where the remake was king for a while. Uh, I mean, it, we're still living in that world, but people are starting to see the strings a little more. Which, it is what it is. Some Some remakes of things have been great. But there are some things you just don't remake. Well, I can tell you what the critic consensus was on Rotten. It says, uh, this gory, sense-assaulting slasher film is an unpretentious, effective mix of old-school horror stylings and modern 3D technology. So I think that that's what they were praising it for, is that it seems like... It's a throwback. Yeah, and it has those elements, like we were talking about, with the with the zooms and with the Dutch angles, where it feels like it could have come out in the 80s, Yeah, but then it's combining it with that technology and taking full use of that to immerse you in that setting. It's just the plot or whatever isn't strong. The writing's not there. Overall, like I said, there are still probably some comparison points left on the bone a little bit. Just to be as frank as possible, I didn't really like either of these movies. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't, I'm not upset that I saw them. Right. I definitely feel like, the remake was probably 15, 20 minutes too long, probably due to that extra storyline uh, and the fact that they just didn't develop the characters very well. If, they, if the characters had been compelling, it might have been a different story. Right, and they added plot points just for kills, it almost seemed like. Mm-hmm. The main couple, Axel and Sarah, have a kid that is only in the movie to show his nanny get killed. And put in the washing machine. That's it. Or in the dryer. Again, cut out. To the original. Use that five minutes to develop these characters or something. Yeah. But as far as having a horror movie themed around Valentine's Day, we don't get a ton of those. The only other one that I can remember... There's a Cupid one. I'm pretty sure there's a Cupid one. Just called Valentine. (laughs) And that one came out in 2001, so a little bit before this. It had... David Boreanaz in it. Oh, okay. You know? And that one was pretty cool. I'm sure there's other ones that... But they're not... You don't really get them too mainstream with those. So, I would be... Denise Richards in it, too. Yeah. And Katherine Heigl. Yeah. I liked it. I remember liking it as a kid. I don't know if it still holds up, but at the time, I was probably 12. But that being said, Hulu is doing this thing. They started it in October, 
and we haven't really talked about it, so I guess now's as good a time as any to mention it. They're doing a horror movie every month. So that so far they have a Halloween one, a Thanksgiving one, a Christmas themed one, a and a New Year's, Year's themed one. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they'll probably do a Valentine's Day themed one for for this month. Yeah. I mean, have you have you checked any of them out? I haven't. But actually, what's funny is the director of the remake directed the Halloween movie hmm. in that project that they have going on. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, we'll have to go back and revisit some of them. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll catch up and then for the remainder of the project, talk about the ones that come out yeah. per month. For me, overall, I yeah, I don't, I didn't love either of them. They were enjoyable mm-hmm. from a person that's a, a fan of horror. Yeah, and I would watch them yearly as part of a Valentine's Day thing. I Kind of like to theme my movies around the yeah, month. Yeah, for sure. You know, if there is one. And then one over the other, I think I'm 50-50 because yeah. there's definitely parts of the original that I like more. I like the goofiness. It just doesn't feel so much like a horror movie. The uh, The remake is a horror movie to a fault. Right. Yeah. and But um, I like that it's straightforward. I like the cohesiveness because it feels like it's it's one thing and I like that. Yeah. And so I, I'd i say I'm 50-50 on both of them. Ah, one last thing that I forgot to talk about during it. The the ending of the original. I don't know how an 80s audience would have taken Axel being the killer and the way that they portrayed it. But I, it's something that I called like, like with like 30 minutes left in the movie. When he, when he splits up from the group and then falls in the water and then they can't find him. Okay, so they're saying that you killed off a character. That main he's dead. character. One of the main three characters in the movie. You've killed him off screen unceremoniously. Right. It's a dead giveaway. For us, definitely. But like you're saying, at the time, might not have been. But now it's definitely something that, like I said, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Saw it coming from a mile away. <laughs> They took that as like a, oh, so, I mean, we've got a 50-50 shot of picking the right person for the killer. If they wanted to shock me with the remake, they should have made the killer Sarah. Yeah. That's a compelling argument. There's de- It would have definitely made a more interesting dialogue, especially at the end when she's standing there with a gun and the two of them are there. Shoots him anyway. And it would have worked because her motivation could have been killing her husband. Because he's cheating and having a kid with this other lady. And then right? also killing the ex-boyfriend because he picked selling. up and left her. Or selling. Yeah. Which is going to cause the destruction of this town. Yeah. And maybe if he dies, the town doesn't get sold. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe it reverts to some to the city or something like that. So they could have done it. Yeah. And we just pieced that together in two seconds. That would have been a more compelling ending. That feels like a movie that probably would come out now. It also took... What, what I personally felt like was the most followed and most developed character out of the entire movie. Sarah? Yeah. In oh. both of them. They follow her more frequently than they do anybody else in both movies. And she's the most developed and most well-acted character from both movies. She doesn't do much in the... The remake, the not remake. as... Yeah. It, but in, in the original, she acted circles around everybody else. Everybody else is being goofy and dumb. Yeah, she's just... there. I don't know. All the characters just kind of feel... Like they're there in 3D just because they needed a reason to show 3D effects. Yeah. <laughs> like they almost take the backseat to the effects, <laughs> which is disappointing, but again, enjoyable. So yeah. 
I don't like one more than the other. They both have their flaws and they both have their strengths. So as far as a compare and contrast goes, for me, even. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm probably in a similar boat. I might like the original a little <laughs> more, but it's it's not by any like really noticeable margin. I, like I said, I, I definitely agree with that. They are both very flawed projects that have some some slight moments of brilliance. Yeah. Uh, they could have been so much more with just a little more thought. They're decent movies. All right, cool. Was there anything else? Oh, one more thing. I do got one more thing. There was another throwback that we didn't talk about from 3D to the original. Mm. Toward the very end, there's a guy rescuing a character, and he has a very strong Canadian accent. Uh-huh. And the original movie, like we said, is Canadian. Yeah. And I was hey, that's cool. But they gave <laughs> just that little bit of throwback to yeah, that. Yeah, a little touch. So that was cool. I think that that's part of the flaws of 3D is that they did try to do a lot of throwback stuff. Mm. And some of it re- worked really well, but like the Dutch angles and stuff didn't. Yeah. And it might have been too on the nose with some of them, but hey, cool yeah. for trying. All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it for this episode. If you want to share your thoughts on either of these two movies, then you can reach out to us. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's going to be at Porcelain Peak. Or if you want to shoot us an email, you can do that too. And that is porcelainpeak at gmail.com. Say so if you'd like to find any other uh, cool and creepy things, uh, we are at uh, porcelainpeak.com. That will redirect you to our page on Words for Weirdos. We typically try to post new and interesting things there. If something doesn't show up in like the episode notes or something that we say that we're going to talk about more in depth, usually that's where you'd probably find it. And then as far as our episode for next week is concerned, we are going to revisit a movie that was on both of our sci-fi miss lists. This movie in particular is our one and only crossover for that week, and we are going to watch Escape from New York for the first time. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I mean, Carpenter, Russell, action. I'm sold. A guy named Snake. Yeah, his name is Snake Plissken. Come on, (laughs) come on, come on. Tune in for that. Thank you for checking this episode out. If you liked what you heard then please feel free to rate, review, share, and subscribe, and then we'll see you next week. Keep it creepy. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.